One of my favorite attributes about God is that God doesn't have the ability to lie. He always tells the truth. It says that in several scriptures. God cannot lie. He doesn't even have the ability to tell a lie. And he's the God of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So God is truth. He always speaks the truth. And we're in this series called One Word where we're we're going through 1 Corinthians 13, and it's actually, the series is going to end next week, and then we're going to kick off a new series the following Sunday on the I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. There's seven of them, and how Jesus's I Am statements answer our I Am Nots. We've had either the evil one or people so, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I'm not capable. Well, Jesus in us, he is the I Am, and so I'm excited Um, praying about how that's going to all be. But, you know, in in this series, one word, it's it's the one word that we need more than anything is to understand the word love. And Paul, the apostle, defines love and and tells us what love does in, in 1 Corinthians 13. And so we're recognizing that God is love. God is all of these things that we're, we're, we're looking at. So God is the God of truth. So today we're talking about the reality that love tells the truth. Love tells the truth. 1 Corinthians 13, 6, love rejoices with the truth. Dishonesty kills relationships because dishonesty kills trust. And when trust is taken away in a relationship, it's, that's foundational can we trust one another? Are we going to be honest with one another and tell the truth? I thought of a few, few reasons that we're tempted to not be truthful. And, and, and it's the first one I thought of was, was fear of consequences. Anybody that's ever raised little children know that kids can learn how to lie pretty quick to get out of a consequence that they know. And then we carry that into our adulthood. So young people, learn how to tell the truth right away, because if you don't, the more you lie, the, the easier it, it really becomes to lie, and you don't even realize it. I was thinking about the fear of consequences. Um, when I was in elementary school, one summer vacation day, I got my dad's golf clubs out, and I'd never swung a golf club or hit a golf ball, and I, I lined it up, and right through the window, right through the bay window in our in our dining room, and I thought, I am dead. He's, my dad is going to kill me, and I, I like, it was the worst day of my life. Like, what a, I spent all day just like in fear of the consequence, and he came home. You can't exactly cover up a broken window, right? And so um, I told him, and he goes, he goes, oh, don't worry about it. That's what we have insurance for. I was like, Dad, you are the man. Like, thank you. I, was so, I thought I was toast. It made me think of another fear of consequence thing in my family. My oldest brother, um, he's eight years older than me, and he, uh, my older brother Tim, and my dad tells a story that when he was little, that uh, he, he did something to get in trouble, and my dad said, you go to your room, and I'm going to come and discipline you. And so he went, and he walked in the room, and, uh, and he was getting ready to to spank him, and my brother had put a phone book in the back of his pants (laughs) so that he was going to absorb the blow (laughs) 
to the fanny area. And I thought, that's hilarious. Fear of consequences. We do that. We're afraid of consequences, therefore, we're tempted to lie. Fear of shame drives us to not tell the truth. Guilt. If I really tell the truth here, then I might be exposed or whatever. Insecurity is a reason that we don't always tell the truth or why we might stretch the truth, so to speak. And I was thinking personally, like pastors are tempted to not tell the truth on how many people go to their church, right? How many people were in service or how many people are in your church? It's always, you always add about 30, 40, maybe 100, you know, whatever. But I tell you what, COVID killed that. I'm just glad to see anybody right now. <laughs> you know, we, we're all the pastors are in the same boat on that. And then um, probably the most selfish reason we're, we're tempted to not tell the truth is we want our way. And so we can be deceptive. And the truth is, like, I was thinking about this, we are acting like the devil when we don't tell the truth. Jesus said that he is the father of lies, that he, doesn't, he can't tell the truth. Everything that comes out of the evil one's mouth is a lie. And he's lying to you and I every day about God, about ourselves, and about people. He's the sower of the division. And he's like, throws the Molotov cocktail, kaboom, and walks away. And then we're left. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And so love tells the truth. God tells the truth. So there's, there's four things that we can do to express love by telling the truth. The first one is be consistent in telling the truth. Be consistent. Do it all the time. It's always the right thing to do, you know, to, to tell the truth. And I know you can get into some straw men arguments about, well, is, is it ever okay to lie if you're, you know, Rahab lied about the spies and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, but don't go there. What we're, that's probably not going to happen to any of us in the straw man argument about is it ever okay to lie. This is just in our relationships and in, in what the reality that we live in. Proverbs 11.3 says, honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. So learning how to be consistent in, in telling the truth. Lying compounds our problems, and it only temporarily postpones consequences. That's all lying does. So love tells the truth. Say that with me. Love tells the truth. Second thing uh, we can do to express love, you know, by telling the truth is to be completely honest. No half-truths. Be completely honest. When you go to the doctor, you want the doctor to be honest with you. If you're at an oncologist, you don't want them, you know, yeah, you're good. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, the guy's in trouble. We, we don't, you want the doctor to tell you the truth. You want the doctor to be completely truthful with you. Proverbs 10.10 says, the one who speaks correction honestly can be trusted to make peace. There's two ways that, that we can, we lie. By, by not meaning what we say and by not saying what we mean. That happens in relationships all the time. We, we, we don't mean what we say and we don't say what we mean. Are you going to finish that project in the garage? Yeah, I'll get to it. Okay, still there. Um, you going to get that vacuum, throw it away? That's something in our house. 
that stupid vacuum, it's stuff, forgot to throw it away. She's been asking me for six months. My bad. It's going away today after this message. I'm going to practice what I, what I preach. Um, half-truths is still not the truth. It's not the full, complete truth. It's not complete honesty. And to be completely honest, you know, we got to be willing to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to lay it out on the line, so to speak. I think many times in many, whether it's the workplace, whether it's your marriage, whether it's family, whatever it is, people have unspoken, unmet expectations because they haven't been completely honest. Sometimes we expect people to read our minds and to know what we're thinking. That's what called communication, and that's why it's such a fragile thing and how to learn how to do that. Sometimes people become people pleasers because they're not honest. They're not honest with one another. And so a people pleaser is somebody who does something that they don't want to do in order to make somebody else happy. You know, that's a people pleaser. An approval addict... um, they aren't, they're not people pleasers, and they're going to do what they're going to do, but they want you to like it. <laughs> That's an approval addict. A people pleaser is you'll change your behavior. You'll, you'll do something that kind of goes against your will or whatever in order to make somebody else happy. So don't let unspoken, unmet expectations, you know, fester in your life. Be honest. Say it again with me. Love tells the truth. Love tells the truth. um, The third thing is be loving in how you tell the truth. If you want to express love by telling the truth, be loving in how it's said. Speak the truth in love, the Apostle Paul said. I remember years ago, if you know the company that made this commercial, I don't remember what they were advertising for, but they were talking about Uh, Honest Abe Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was Honest Abe Lincoln because he always told the truth. And uh, Abe's sitting there with his top hat and his, you know, long, narrow frame and and his beard, that actor portraying him. And in the background, his his wife's back there and she says, do these jeans make my butt look big? (laughs) And the look on the actor's face was priceless. Like, he didn't, Abe was like, "Uh, uh, what am I going to say here? (laughs) So it was funny. Be loving in how you tell the truth. Truth without love will always be resisted. You can use truth as a hammer. It can be something that we use in the the wrong way. It's it's how you say it. Some of you may have have told this story before, but years ago when I first started in ministry and I first started preaching and teaching, I was serving a ministry, and um, I didn't teach that night, but whoever taught, taught about um, forgiving one another and asking for forgiveness. And this guy came up to me, and he said, uh, hey, I feel like the Lord prompted me to come ask for your forgiveness. He said, you see, I don't like you, and I hate it when you preach, and I hate how you preach. And I've actually thought some really bad thoughts about you. So will you forgive me? I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, still. Do you have a little voodoo doll and you, me and you pin? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was awkward. And he failed to speak the truth in love. He was speaking his point of view. He could have taken that up with the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me for how I think about Scott or, you know, the fact that he's such a horrible speaker and all that. Lord, I give that to you. And um, 
and Jesus, I was just learning how to preach too. Give me a break. No, I'm just kidding. But he, I was thinking about this in, in this. You can know if you're speaking the truth in love by whose benefit is, is, are you after. Are you after your benefit or the benefit of the person you're talking to? He was after his own benefit. And he also was immature, and he could have, didn't have to ever tell me that. Now, every time I saw him, I was like, oh, what are you thinking about me right now? You know, I mean, it was, it was terrible. But, you know, he did that for his benefit, not mine. And, and so in your life, you can speak the truth in love by saying, is this going to benefit this person, or is this, is this about me? But when you flip the coin on that, so to speak, if somebody offends you or somebody hurts you, Decide whether it even needs to be talked through or not with that person. Sometimes you might need to just blow it off, right, and just overlook it. But if it's something enough that you feel like you have to, to say something about it, always give somebody the benefit of the doubt first. You come to them gently and say, you know, I, I, I could have misunderstood what you said or you, you know, probably didn't mean, mean it this way, but what you said hurt my feelings or what you said offended me. That gives that person, if you come right in with the truth without giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, their dukes go up and you're not gonna be able to, to have a, a, a conversation. But if you come and give somebody the benefit of the doubt, the dukes are lowered and you can actually, that person can say, man, so sorry, I did not mean it that way. And then true reconciliation can happen, which is, the Lord's heart for us. Love tells the truth. Fourth thing is be willing to have what's called a crucial conversation. Anybody ever heard that term before, a crucial conversation? There's a book written about it. I don't know if the guy realizes it, but it's very biblical in, in, in having crucial conversations. It's that, it's that tough conversation that you have to have employee to employer to employee or, or whatever relationship. It's that crucial conversation that it has to intersect what's going on in somebody's life or a relationship or it's going to go bad. It's going to go south. It made me think of how much we try to avoid these conversations, but we need to have them. Um, when I was fresh out of high school, this was in, in my BC days, um, before Jesus. Uh, I was not following Jesus out of high school. And I had a little part-time job at a, at a printing company. And there was this precious godly lady that owned it and, and, and ran the company. It was a little small, small business. And, and she hired me. I don't know if I was like a, you know, welfare type, I'll straighten him out sort of deal or whatever, but she, um, I took advantage of her, her niceness, and to my shame today, you know, I would never, my work ethic is night and day different over all those years, but in that moment, I just took advantage of, of her to the point that she one day sat me down, and she started crying, and she said, I can't do this anymore with you. I got fired, <laughs> and she was so distraught about it. I felt so bad. I started crying. I was, I, I was filled with shame in that I, I did take advantage of this sweet little lady, and I look back on that. Her crucial conversation with me helped me 
It helped me grow. It helped me realize I never want to feel this feeling again of, of, of where I'm at. In John chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. The law, the Old Testament, the thou shalts and shall nots, and the commands and all of that, uh, that was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized in the person of Jesus Christ. The law is a fault finder. All, all it, do, it does is tell you when you're disobeying the, the law or not. And, and that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a fault finder. You know when you're speeding and they have one of those things that flashes that you're going too fast? It's just finding fault in the fact that you're driving too fast. It's, a, it's, a fault. it's the law, the fault finder. And it's not that the law is bad, the law is good. It's, it's a mirror in, into, you know, to morality and God's character and, and all of that. But grace and truth weren't realized until Jesus came on the scene. Jesus always walked in grace and in truth. He always led with grace. Always lead with grace into your crucial conversations. Lead with grace. Um, Jesus was, he was always willing to have crucial conversations. I thought about the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus talks about the commandments, and he says, I've kept those. And Jesus, in his wisdom, knew that this guy must have loved money too much and that he didn't realize it. So he has a crucial conversation with him, and he says, here's what you need to do. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. That's a crucial conversation right there. And then Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus at nighttime in, in fear of the other religious leaders seeing him with Jesus, talking with him. But he was intrigued by Jesus. And he comes to Jesus, asks him some questions, and Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And he says, Nicodemus says, well, how can I go back into my mother's womb? Jesus has a crucial conversation with him, and he says, he says, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't understand what I'm saying? He's like, dude, you have the wrong framework in which you're seeing Scripture, and you're seeing God, and the one who you've been waiting for is in your presence right now, and you can't see it. It's a crucial conversation. The Pharisees, lots of crucial conversations with the Pharisees, right? And the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. And, you know, sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, they, they came to Jesus. They, they were attracted to Jesus. The Pharisees were, were opposed to Jesus because he, he didn't live in their framework. He didn't live in, in what their image of God and their vision of God was about. And so Jesus obviously loved the Pharisees enough to tell them the truth, have those crucial conversations. Love cares enough to tell the truth to people. And obviously, you need to be in a position to have a crucial conversation with somebody. We don't get to have crucial conversations with every, every person. That's called just giving your opinion when you don't need to give your opinion. I'm talking about relationships that are, that are key in your life. Friendship is not friendship until it's been battle-tested with conflict and resolution. That's truly when you know you have a friendship with somebody or a relationship. There's a conflict, and that conflict gets resolved. 
Friendship is also the willingness to have crucial conversations. As I was putting this together, I felt the question that the Lord wanted me to ask myself and to ask you was this. Where in your life is God trying to have a crucial conversation with you and with me? Maybe it's a behavior. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something that he's trying to get your attention so that you and he can have a crucial conversation about your life so that you can become better and that you can know him better. There are things in our life that hold us back. And, you know, when we talk about God's judgment, we always think of, ah, God's judgment. God's judgment is actually a good thing because just like a doctor, a doctor is judging your health. That's what a doctor's doing, judging your health. Don't we want the Lord to judge our spiritual health in our life? I mean, him say, you need a little surgery on your heart there, bro. You need a little, little change your, your thinking in that. that. That's a good thing when God does that for us. It's, he does that out of love. Any good parent judges their children's behavior because they love them, not because they're trying to get them to do what they want them to do. And so it's important that we remember that. So whatever the Lord maybe brings to your mind or heart, give it to him. Have a conversation with him. Let him set you free. Let him set you free from, from these burdens. Let's repent in our lives from half-truths. Let's repent and commit to telling the truth even when it hurts. That's important. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And the context of that is about swearing or giving an oath, swearing on, on the, uh, by the temple or by Jerusalem, putting you know, stock in something. Say, I swear by the temple. And you people say, I swear on my mother's grave, right? Jesus said, don't do that. Just say yes or no. That's enough. All that other stuff gets us in, into trouble. So I would say, say no to deceitfulness and say yes to integrity. Telling the truth is a huge part of walking in integrity, being, being true. When we think of the word repentance, that's another good word that I think gets a bad rap because we're repenting all the time. That's just a change of mind. It's a change of thinking about how I see God, how I see others, how we see ourselves. And repentance is that first, that change of thinking, which then changes, changes our lives. And maybe we need to repent today. I need to repent every day. I had to repent on the way to church this morning. And I'm sure some of you did too. Because <laughs> things just don't always go the way we draw it up. You, you wake up grouchy, you wake up, you know, tired, or something is inconvenient. We're always repenting. Not just of the biggies, so to speak. It's just, God, please have my mind. Adjust my thinking, Jesus, to your thinking. We've been given the mind of Christ, we're told. So Lord, let me think the way you think. Let me speak. Let me walk in truth because you're the truth. I love 2 Corinthians 5. One of my favorite verses um, says that God the Father, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting 
people's sins against them. Therefore, we implore you, be reconciled to God. That's the message, is be reconciled to God. And so if you've never come into agreement with God about your life and why he created you, what's gone wrong in the world, today's the day to come into agreement with him. Jesus, you created me. You came to redeem me and save me by what you did in your life, death, and resurrection. And you're, you're the Lord, and I want to follow you. I want to let you lead my life and how I think, act, and speak. Therefore, I want to tell the truth. Therefore, I want to walk in the truth and walk as a person reconciled to God. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes it's hard to find the words to say thank you in, in a way that just expresses, Lord, the amazing God that you are. Thank you so much. Thank you that you, you treat us as your children. You love us. Lord, we, we, we say yes to your conviction on our life. We want to be like you. We want to walk in your ways, Jesus. Holy Spirit, fresh and new, stir our hearts. Fresh and new, declare our thoughts. To be people who love the truth, tell the truth, and live out your truth of who you are, God. In a broken world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.